Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Good morning, crypto. Good morning, warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We've got two people here, Mr. Johnny Crypto and the CEO of Collective Lab, Selman G, is in the building. So very excited for this episode. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Mark Cuban slams the SEC's approach to regulation by enforcement, laughing at Gary Gensler's claims that he's easily accessible. PayPal is added to the trust network, joining 37 other blockchain companies in a journey towards making finance more transparent and traceable. XJP Morgan executive Raul Paul explains how crypto can expand to reach over $200 trillion in total market cap, while close friend Anthony Scaramucci is warning investors of heavily short positions within the market, stating people get their faces off, ripped off when they least expect it. Cardano has some positive news after providing to be more than 69,000% more efficient than Bitcoin, as a new crypto trader is blowing up on Twitter since creating an index trading against Jim Cramer's options in the market. Andreessen Horowitz is ready for the power shift of a lifetime, as they're predicting big tech falls as power is shifting back to the people. And we show our listeners a fascinating clip exposing one of the original Bitcoin developers. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So another beautiful day in the matrix, my friends, as Mario would say. But Johnny Crypto, we got a ton of crypto news. What's on your mind, my friend? Well, as always, first of all, good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there. We show up. Happy to see you guys there. Great to see our brother here, Selman. And I'm just excited to get into the news. Everything's everything's going well, Apps. Everything's going good. Awesome. We're going to get this thing rocking and rolling. But what up, Selman? G, how you feeling this morning? And what's on your mind, my friend? Hey, it's an amazing day. I'm in Turkey, by the way. I'm on vacation. And, you know, crypto 24-7, even if you're on vacation, you still have your phone and you still check out the charts. So I'm super happy to be here today. That's awesome, Selman. Thanks for making time for us. We're going to dive into this thing the same way we always do by showing our listeners our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. You get access to every single member of our team, but we're going to dive into the Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index still sitting in moderate fear this morning. We are ranging at a 29, nothing really worth addressing. When you look at the total coin market cap, we're getting some bearish price action here. The total market cap is sitting at $1 trillion this morning. Bitcoin is 39% dominance. Ethereum is 19%. Bitcoin sitting at 21,400, Ethereum 1600, XRP 34 cents, Cardano is 46 cents, Avalanche $23, Algorand is 30 cents flat, VeChain 3 cents, Hedera 6 and Quant is $110 this morning. We brought some Quant news as always for our listeners out there, but I want to go to Selman G. Selman, what are some of the projects you're watching this morning and how do you feel about this bearish pullback we're having? So we talked about this for a long time now that there's low volume and you know the market is not really in a mood to see a crazy rally so it was kind of like buy the rumors sell the news with a 
with high long positions actually uh, among retail investors. So that pullback now is still scary. So it's still, you know, we're indecisive. Is it going to continue the rally? Is this a healthy pullback? Or is this some kind of, you know, get ready, September is going to be even worse kind of signal? We'll find out. Yes, we will find out. And what we're showing our listeners right now is a correlation between the 2022 stock market and the 2008 housing crash. Right now, we've retraced this thing perfectly. And it tells us that the S&P is going to dip all the way to 3000 We're at $4,300 this morning. Johnny Crypto, we know there's definitely a correlation between the S&P and the crypto market. What does this indicate to you about that, you know, black swan event that may be on the horizon? Uh, you know, I mean, that's that's always something that you, you can never predict when those are coming. Obviously, you you have to um, you have to have your own idea of what you think is going to happen and kind of and kind of stick to it. And in this case, you know, trying to predict these things, trying to um, time the market never works for me. So I don't even bother. I just have my own idea what I think is going to happen. And the reality is, you know, this most of the stuff I'm going, I'm holding long term. So I'm just going to hold right through it, you know, whether it comes or not. But if we do get a pump, a nice pump uh, this month, like I'm hoping we will. And uh, I don't know if you guys saw Blockchain Backer's video yesterday. He actually thinks maybe we will see a, a run of Bitcoin to about 40K. If we see something like that, I'm definitely going to be selling, you know, at least some of the bags because I think then we'll get a nice crash Um until we move into next year's bull run. So that's kind of how I'm playing it. That's how I'm looking at it. There is some correlation between, you know, some of the stock indexes and, and the crypto market per se. But for me, I'm looking more at just kind of the Bitcoin charts and how it looks versus the prior runs. Great. Thank you, Johnny. And we're about to show our listeners some very interesting news involving HBAR, but we got 117 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button this morning. We're going to bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics. And this one, well, it's from our friend BitBoy Crypto, who will be joining our show at some point. I can promise our listeners that. This is a clip talking about HBAR and the long-term utility it has. We're always bullish on HBAR on our channel, as well as Crypto Mason. But here's BitBoy talking about the real-world utility of Hedera. Uh, what is your long-term outlook for HBAR guesstimate? No, nothing. Okay, like I, I'm not gonna give a price point because, to be honest with you, like I, I don't know what the price of HR is right now. Eight dollars right. or something, maybe. But just overlook. Overlook. I think HR has got a lot of potential. I, I think when you're looking at tier two, I think tier one, Ethereum, Cardano, possibly room for one more, maybe Polkadot. I, I don't know about Polkadot. Maybe potentially, maybe Cosmos, maybe. But most likely, tier two. I, I think HR can get to tier two and uh, be a very big player. The number one thing that stuck out to me about this clip was that he said, is HBAR $8? I wish because I would be a much wealthier individual. But Selman, what does this clip say to you? BitBoy, he's out there promoting. Uh, we saw he put out a video on Quant this weekend. Now he's talking positively about Hedera. What does that say to you? I mean, yeah, $8 would be great. I would be here. I would be somewhere else, guys. But I can tell you this. like, BitBoy is one of the you know well-known influencers out there and what he right now, what he just said is HBAR is amazing. You should definitely have it, right? But like, there is not real, like, what is it? What is behind it? You can't just bring up, like, he didn't mention it, but like, in general, everybody's like, you know, big institutions like Deutsche Telekom, Boeing, they're invested. Just because they're invested doesn't mean you should also invest. You know, we need to understand the technology. This is not mentioned here, I believe, in HBAR. But like, yeah, if you guys watch something like that, you shouldn't just immediately jump and, and invest in HBAR. You should, you know, understand 
it, does it resonate with you? But hell yeah. I mean, I'm an HBAR fan. I own it. And um, this kind of, you know, marketing helps uh, my backs to, you know, to be pumped by retails. <laughs> Johnny Crypto, check out that shirt BitBoy Crypto's wearing. Gotta love it. But one of the things he said is that HBAR, well, it's $8. Do you ever see us getting to that price point? Oh, huh. I mean, we're not even close to it. I think it's more like eight cents. Uh, you know, it happens. I mean, listen, not you know, there's a lot of coins out there, and and it's it's impossible to always remember every single one of them. And sometimes it's easy to confuse the two. I mean, we talk about them all the time, coins in general. And I know sometimes too, it's hard to remember the prices uh, at all different hours. So you know, I, I don't fault him for that. Although if he knew they were going to talk about H bar, then he should have known the price. But nonetheless. Uh, I don't know. I mean, is it possible? I mean, anything's possible in the crypto market. 10Xs, 100Xs, we've seen that. Um, you know, I think for me, looking at coins that have max coin supplies have a better option. But but I don't actually, off the top of my head, re recall the total max supply of, of HBAR coins. I'm sure somebody will look it up and have it in the comments in a minute. Um, and that will help dictate whether it's possible. But I do like HBAR. I have a lot of it in my bags. And I'm, I'm planning on HBAR to... Uh, uh, <laughs> what's this? We like to see. No, no, we don't have that. I think he was getting ready for Christmas time or something with that shirt. Apps, it looks like a Christmas shirt there, but awesome, yeah. Johnny. And we're going to dive into our first article for today. 124 live listeners out there, show us some love, smash that like button. Shout out to the node defender behind the scenes. But the first episode, I mean, the first article we're going to dive into is Andres and Horsewitz says crypto can shift the power away from big internet companies and back into the hands of the people. This is months after establishing a $4.5 billion crypto fund. The venture capital firm also says it sees the crypto market slump as an investment opportunities. Many times on our show and many of our listeners know that this bear market has been a blessing if you're able to buy many of these great projects at discount prices. That's what Andreessen Horswitz is saying here. The venture capitalist firm sees Web3 and cryptocurrencies as having the ability to disrupt the power imbalance created by big internet companies such as Facebook and Twitter. Dixon said that power on the internet is currently held by just a small group of companies, and I don't think this is a good outcome. The idea of, the, of having the internet controlled by five companies is very bad for entrepreneurs and bad for venture capitalists all over the world. Since the start of their company, Andreessen Horswitz has raised more than $7.6 billion to invest in crypto companies and blockchain companies around the world. Dixon, who's the CEO, said he views the side as a chance to make more investments. The bear market, it's a blessing in his eyes. And in venture capitalism, hopefully you're buying low and selling high. So my experience has been that during these downturns, these are the ideal buying opportunities. There's a connection that I want to draw to this article and actually XRP. So several leading names in traditional finance are being used in the blockchain technology on a daily basis. And the Depository Trust and Clearing Corporation, which processes all of the trades in the U.S. stock market, said it's handling hundreds of thousands of transactions a day on its private ledger. So let's check out more information about this private ledger as they produced an article this weekend stating the project is doing currently 100,000 transactions per day and it uses R3 Corda for settlements. Well, what is R3? R3 is clearly XDC. And when we talk about Corda, we are talking about XRP. So obviously we're reaching here and we're drawing some connections. But one of the things that sticks out to me is that XDC and XRP may already be running on private ledgers in the background. The potential here is phenomenal, but I want to kick it around the group. Johnny Crypto, let's start with you. How do you feel about this article and these connections? Yeah, you know, that's always been talked that the XRP was going to be the rails, right? And there's some connection between R3 and Corda and JP Morgan coin. And so there's a lot of a lot of news, a lot of stuff going around that in that area per se in that. So 
Uh, for me, it's exciting. You know, I have this feeling that XTC and XRP will be part of the of the coexistence of these coins that'll work. Now, the thing I don't like about XTC is it's unlimited; it doesn't have a max coin supply, um, whereas we know XRP does. And by the way, just to answer the question earlier, I see somebody posted uh, HBAR has about 50, 50 billion or so, fifty nine billion coins. So eight dollars would put it at a, a half a trillion dollars. So. No, I don't see that. Definitely not happening in the short term at all. Maybe a dollar, but definitely not eight dollars to answer the question uh, prior to that. But yeah, so on this one, I'm excited about this connection apps. I'm I'm actually happy to see that. I think R three quarter has a place to play, and I'm you know that they're using XRP here is is uh is good news. Selman, it looks like a hundred thousand transactions per day. That's the tip of the iceberg because the DTCC processes over two point four quadrillion dollars worth of transactions every year. You can only imagine what would happen if these shifted to the blockchain. But what does this article mean to you? And the fact that XTC and XRP are continuously connected behind the scenes. We know that the team behind you know Ripple, XRP, and uh, Symphony are actually developing and trying to scale it right. And make it more scalable. So in the long run, I believe it's going to be super easy to handle so many transactions. And right now, we don't have that much demand on, or let's say, volume, as you guys know, in the crypto space. But in the long run, hell yeah, it's going to be crazy. And you guys have to understand, the VC also mentioned that it will disrupt the traditional, you know, basically the traditional banking system. And imagine... Um, around like less than one third of the world population has no access, no bank account. And like imagine even that is going to be a huge deal for Ripple, a huge deal for all these cryptocurrencies. And then when you guys see that um, whenever you want to change something in the world, you want to change the system, you don't start with the big guys. You always want to start with the with the pilot projects, right? Um, on You want to test it on smaller countries. And you see all these developing countries that are adapting this technology using ripple xrpl to you know um move assets around do transactions and then in the long run you'll see how after successful beta tests you'll see how european countries and then eventually uh united states will also adapt that adopt that technology we truly believe in that so in the long run hell yeah it's going to be huge and we're yep. now having we're seeing witnessing these baby steps and then imagine what's going to happen in the next 10 20 years i can only imagine selman and a couple things that stick out to me here is i want to focus on the centralization narrative they talk about how the internet is basically controlled by five companies and we got a good example this week selman i'd love to talk to you about this one of the people who's been very popular on the internet is this andrew tate character they banned him from all social media platforms and somebody brought up something very interesting i hadn't thought about it from this perspective they said what's a bigger threat to democracy right these centralized companies banning the opinions they disagree with or allowing those opinions to exist and allowing the response to happen naturally, right? So is this one character a greater threat to democracy than these actual tech institutions choosing what opinions are allowed to be shared on their platforms? I totally disagree. I don't think that they should be able to, to take anything down as long as it's not, you know, we can get graphic here, but, but I think we all agree that if you're sharing an opinion and it's not graphic and it's not unjust, it should be allowed to be on there. And this is a move towards that direction. Johnny Crypto, I'd love to kick it to you. Yeah, I totally agree. I think this is a big, you know, he talks about something that's so crucial here. Five companies literally run the world, right? And so that should should have everybody worried. And the fact that we want, you know, we want to see this push to more 
you know, unwinding of that, but you're not going to. It's not going to happen. It's too late. Once you let power accumulate that high in people's hands, they ain't giving it up. And they ain't going to let. And yes, crypto can maybe help unlock some of that and let it happen, but they ain't going to. They ain't going to let it happen. They're going to, they already got all the politicians and everybody in their pockets. And so you're going to see that this, what will really happen is they will utilize the big companies, blockchain technologies to their advantage, but they won't let the free part, the decentralization part of it exist. They'll, they'll, they, that will roll up to them, but they'll steal the best benefits of the blockchain technology for cheaper, better solutions, in my opinion. I think now, that's also, but Johnny, there's also this, I totally agree with you. And um, guys, like Instagram in, in general, Meta, right? AKA Facebook. All of these are centralized institutions and there are projects actually on the blockchain that are trying to or currently working on uh, designing or building a decentralized social media. And, you know, the big question is can they really um, fight against these centralized uh, exchanges, institutions, or, um, um, you know, do they have the resources actually to become big? Because, you know, TikTok is taking over and you know, Facebook already established. So it's going to be like a big question. The Web3 space is booming, yes. But really curious if uh, in the next 10 years we can really have decentralized social media, if even countries or uh, governments allow us, allow us to use these kind of social media platforms. Because obviously it's a big threat for them. Because, you know, whether you like it or not, Andrew Tate talked about some topics that maybe you disagree, but he also talked about you know, governments and how people should wake up and see what's going on here. And that probably triggered many governments. And that's probably the reason why he got, you know, shut down. Exactly. It's another example of do as they do and not as they say. But here we go. We are rolling into our next story as Mark Cuban has been very critical of the SEC slamming Gary Gensler's regulation by enforcement. Billionaire Mark Cuban criticized the United States Securities and Exchange Commission's approach to regulation. Cuban has urged the agency to publish bright line regulations that would be open to discussion. The SEC's regulation by enforcement approach came under fire after the agency sued blockchain company Ripple. Gary Gensler said that securities laws should be applied to the cryptocurrency assets despite the novelty of the technology. He drew a comparison between cryptocurrencies and cars, stating that which continue to use basic safety features despite the advances in the automobile industry. Cryptocurrencies should not be given preferential treatment just because they use different technology, said Gensler. Crypto companies have to come into compliance with existing security laws, and the SEC boss had stressed that the cryptocurrency lending services fall under the Securities and Exchange Commission's guidelines. Gensler urged lend crypto lending companies to come and talk to the SEC in order to remain compliant. Mark Cuban responded by saying, do you use Calendar? The billionaire claims that he is, it is not clear how the crypto companies are supposed to communicate with the SEC, and Gary Gensler has repeatedly mentioned that the majority of cryptos are unregistered securities. However, earlier this month, he clarified Bitcoin is a commodity. Johnny Crypto, we look at Mark Cuban, and he's actually sticking up for the everyday guy here. I see you laughing. What's on your mind? Because we know what happens when the when folks approach the SEC. What did Ripple do? Not one time, not two times, not three times. But if our girl Angela was out there, she'd say it. Five times, Booker T. Be proud. Five times and went to go visit the SEC. They approached the SEC. And what happens? Pow! He gets slapped with a lawsuit. So, I mean, you know, you can't come out here and say, oh, come in and work with us. Yeah, open the door. Come on in. We want to work with you. And then the minute you come in, 
you know, you get, you get, you get sued. That's not the message that you need, that you want to be sending. So I agree with Cuban here that, you know, let's, let's hope Congress does their job, which we know they're not gonna, they're not gonna, because they're already saying that all they're going to do is going to come up with a cryptocurrency regulation for a stable coin. Well, that doesn't help us. We got two, two, 20,000 altcoins and we're going to get one regulation for a freaking, for, for, for a lousy stable coin. Right. Which, frankly, to me, shouldn't even be in the market capital. But nonetheless, the point is what we need and what we're going to get are two different things, unfortunately. And I don't think we're going to get what we need. Thank you, Johnny. And I'm actually I'm showing a tweet from Gary Gensler here. Gary responded saying there's no reason to treat the crypto market differently from the rest of the capital markets just because it uses a different and new technology. Selman G, you're taking advantage of this new technology. How do you feel about Gary Gensler's regulation by enforcement and the fact that Mark Cuban's actually sticking up for the everyday investor here? In his, from his perspective, all cryptocurrency projects are scams. All of them are money doing money laundering, and you know they're not, you know, uh, SEC compliant, etc. Which is all BS. Why? Because they really want regulation. Like ma majority of these projects, the good ones, right? We're not talking about Doge, Elon Musk kind of Shiba Inu kind of project. We're talking about good projects here, right? And all of them want clarity especially in the United States. You know, Ripple is pretty much welcome everywhere in the world except for one country, and it, which is basically, you know, where it was born. So it's so stupid. And you see, um, it's, it's a mess. All of them, literally Cuban brought it on point. Literally all of them want clarity, but you're making like a big S show of this whole situation, which is, you know, what the hell is going on? And now, you know, it's a different technology, yes, and it's going to be super tough for the SEC, for the governments to actually really like track. And, and you can't really, this is, here's the thing. You can't really use the traditional methods to regulate crypto. Why? Because we're talking about a decentralized ledger. We're talking about decentralized technology. And so, you know, it's super easy to, to um, do money laundering. If you want it, it, it's super easy. Actually, you can do a lot of things. So they're like, Using the normal traditional way of um, regulating this market is not really smart. Maybe coming together and really um, getting ready for compromise, and then sitting there and talking about the technology. They first need to understand what the technology is. They don't. I, I kind of feel like they don't know what blockchain really is. So they need to educate the whole like agents and sit down with all the crypto projects and really come up with a regulation. It's not. Uh, it's not okay to just come up with a regulation and then you just um, enforce it, right? You need to sit down with the, the experts in this field. And if the expert in this field is not Gensler or some some guy from the SEC, no, you need to work with with um, Brett, you know, with Garlinghouse, for example, with David Schwartz, with these guys, right? Or with Vitaly Buterin, uh or, you know, with um, uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, you know, um, with these guys, you know, with these exchanges, with CZ, the CEO of Binance, you need to sit down with them and not, you know, come up with an idea and then just enforce it. It's not the same as traditional uh, markets. So, yeah, that's, you know, we need to work on that for sure. One more quote from Gary is that we can dismiss the idea that crypto lending isn't subject to regulation. On the contrary, the rules have been around for decades. The platforms simply aren't following them. Noncompliance is inevitable 
is the inevitable result of the crypto business model or the underlying crypto tech? Well, it's pretty easy to be non-compliant when there's no rules or guidelines to abide by. Gary Gensler is actually claiming that the rules for this market have been around for decades. I have no idea what he's referring to. But one thing is clear. If there's going to be a black swan event, probably going to center around regulators. It could be the European Union. It could be the SEC. But what's going to happen here is they're going to deny certain projects from being accessible to the market. Johnny Crypto, why don't you take us home here? Well, listen, um, at the end of the day, you know, we know where Gary stands in a lot of our view, right? He's definitely a top there with Kramer at the rat, rat snake weasel list. Um, but some of the things he's saying isn't necessarily untrue. Uh, there are certain regulatory rules and things in place. Um, you know, crypto shouldn't necessarily be treated or these companies, if they're acting as securities, then then they should be treated as securities. So I'm not going to sit here and say that we shouldn't follow the rules, that the rules are in place. What I'm saying is his organization should be consistent with how they're going to operate. If you're going to come after a company like, like Ripple, then you also have to come after a company like Ethereum. Just be consistent. That's all I want. I just want fair treatment. That's all I want. And that's what he's not doing. And, you know, and that's why he's part of the Rat Snake Weasel Club. But I think more importantly, I I, I think you're going to see him lose some of his power as we know. And there you go. We know that he's going to um, be, be sharing authority with the CTFC, right? Because they've already said some of these things are commodities. For me, Abs, what I'm waiting to see is how that overall list plays out. How many of these coins end up on as commodities? Versus how many end up under the column of securities. That's what's yet to be played out or what we've yet to see, you know, what's going to happen there. So for me, that's what I'm waiting for to see how this whole game shakes out. And I think it's going to be a while because we're only going to get regulation on, on a stable coin, which doesn't do shit. Doesn't help us. Doesn't move us as much forward as I think it would if we had clarity around the whole entire space of altcoins as well and not just stable coins. Thank you, Johnny Crypto. And one of the tokens that's clearly going to be labeled as a commodity is Bitcoin. And Gary Gensler's actually gone as far to say that Bitcoin, it's already considered a commodity by the SEC. But we have over 170 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're about to show you a video of one of the developers who worked on Bitcoin's original coding. And you may be surprised about who it is. We're going to let this clip play and get some comments from the group. Here we go. Did you work on the Bitcoin protocol also? I did a little bit. In fact, that's how Jed found me. Um, I was just—I was just kind of finishing up the work that I was doing, and I was looking for something to do next. And I stumbled on Bitcoin, and people were having some problems with mining pools. The, uh -huh. the mining explosion was just starting to happen, and the software really was never designed. There's a little bit of an echo to that video, but one of the things that he says is he worked on the development for the code of Bitcoin, and we saw that Homeland Securities actually tracked down four developers in California. One of them was probably David. The other one was Vitalik Buterin. We're yet to figure out who the other two developers were. But this is a very interesting article. And I think we're going to figure out who Satoshi actually was in these next 12 to 24 months. Selman, how do you feel about David Schwartz admitting that he worked on Bitcoin's code? This is bullish. This is bullish because I really, really love David Schwartz. He is a brain and he's so much fun. You can't find these kind of dudes that, that are, you know, fun plus super genius in in their field and yeah like when you guys watch him on stage when he talks about it he really breaks it down in a very simple way and this is very important that means he really understands what he's talking about so what i enjoy is 
when he, you know, when he worked for Bitcoin, he understood the difficulties, right? In the long run. And he brought it up back in 2020, uh, in February 2020. He talked about it. He actually mentioned that Bitcoin is, you know, great, but in the long run, it's not really scalable. And there are many, mis like many things that could really hurt. Like proof of work is not really a great concept. And then he talked about um, what XRPL is up to, right? And so I really, you know, I really feel like this is, I didn't know about this, by the way, but I really feel like, wow, this is a great deal because he understands Bitcoin. He has been a developer. He understands it and the, like, the core idea. And now he's, you know, he's changing the world with the XRP ledger, which is a great deal. And guys, if you're going to be in Vegas next month for the APAC Summit, you're going to be able to see David Schwartz and Collecti there. Just wanted to bring that up. So yeah, next month is going to be about the APEX Summit, um, Ripple's Developer Summit in Vegas. It's going to be dope. So David Schwartz is going to be Johnny, I want to go to you next because we always talk about how nobody knows who Bitcoin's developers are. And that's part of the reason it's truly decentralized. How would you feel if they figured out who the Satoshi group was and if a couple of them actually worked at Ripple? You know, as I've said, I've said this before in the past and caught some heat for it, but I don't care. I'll say it again. I, just, I don't care. It doesn't matter who the developers are. It doesn't matter at this point. Bitcoin's out there. It's in full use. Almost 21 million coins out there. People are adopting it. People are buying it. People are using it. I, I get the fascination with people wanting to know who it is because obviously, you know, whoever created it or the group that created it is trying to hide it, right? Because obviously they don't want to tell you. They want to keep it mysterious. Um, and, you know, when I listened to the interview you just played, the way I interpreted it was it sounds like David came in towards the end of it where he was just helping when they were struggling with the mining part of it. I don't know how much he was really involved. I've heard he was one of the key creators of it. So who knows? We're never going to know. And I don't care. I'm not going to waste my time caring about who. Because, all right, let's come on. We find out tomorrow. It was Swartz and Vartalk and everybody else. Okay, so what? I think that would be pretty positive news, and it would probably get rid of a lot of the rumors that Putin and the Russians are one of the are one of the founding members. So I think it'd actually be a positive front for Bitcoin. But if you if it came out that you know this was developed by China and that million tokens are held in a Chinese wallet, that could be negative news. So I don't think it's totally irrelevant, Johnny. I mean, I guess in a situation if we find it was created by some terrorist organization, and only in that, okay, yeah, I can understand that maybe, but. Does it change what it actually does and how it functions and its value? And will the billionaires then decide not to use it now that it's decentralized? I'm not. I'm not so sure. It I guess it depends. But uh, you know, in that type of situation, maybe it has some value. But that's what we have to wait and see. And the reality is, when it does come out and they tell us that, are you going to believe it anyway? Who knows? <laughs> that's the real question. That is the exactly. million dollar question, Johnny. We got 180 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button on this beautiful Wednesday. <laughs> Sorry, I have uh, something in my throat. We're about to dive into our next article. As Anthony Scaramucci says, there's tons of short positions within the market today. And it's one of the things he's going to be watching if we do go into a market downturn. So prominent American financial figure Anthony Scaramucci has noted that there's a ton of short positions in the cryptocurrency market today. People get their faces ripped off when they least expect it. And he thinks that the market is about to turn extremely bearish. Every time there's a little bit of good news, the markets have a very strong rally. But every time there's bad news, they have a corresponding rally in the opposite direction. He also talks about how Bitcoin is yet to become a hedge against inflation, stating he thinks Bitcoin will actually become a hedge against inflation when we surpass 1 billion wallets worldwide. 
My guess is that that's going to take probably a decade or so. But there's another quote that really stuck out to me. That's that Scaramucci urged investors to pay close attention to what BlackRock CEO Larry Fink is doing. If Larry Fink and his team are setting up a product, that's telling you that there's institutional demand out there. He said there's, he said adding that there is no matter what, they are actually going to use this asset. It doesn't matter how biased they are. Bitcoin is being mass adopted and we're seeing Larry Fink do it right in front of our eyes. Johnny Crypto, I'd love to start with you. One, is Bitcoin a hedge against inflation? And two, how do you feel about all the short positions in the cryptocurrency market today? Well, I mean, that just proves my point right there. It doesn't matter who created Bitcoin. If BlackRock decides Bitcoin's coming, Bitcoin's coming. And we know they already decided it. We know we've already been, we've talked about on this show many times that BlackRock is setting up in its, uh, a fund for their, for the you know, private fund for their clients right now um, until we get regulation for them to invest in this. And it's going to happen. And Smooch is right out. And he called it clearly. Um, and in terms of a, as a hedge against inflation, yeah, I think the more hands that hold it, the better chance it has. You have to understand that right now it's still being manipulated, right? But as more and more wallets end up owning it and hold it, just like gold, more and more people hold gold, um, it can t maybe tend to be a better hedge against inflation. Right now, it's just still speculation. We're so early in the beginning of it, right? I mean, gold is, how old is gold? Over two, three, four thousand years old? Bitcoin's eight years old. <laughs> 10 years old, 12 years old, whatever you want to say, right? It's at the birth, you know, 200 years from now, it, it may, you know, it may just sit solid like a rock as, as a hedge against inflation, but it's new right now. People are trying to figure out what is this thing? Does it make sense? Should it be a hedge? So we're getting there. We're just not there yet. So I agree with him. More hands will help solidify that. And, um, and with BlackRock, you know, saying that this is going to happen, it's going to happen. No matter who created it. Aaron Booth had a really good comment. He's a huge fan of XDC, but he's also saying hail to our overlords, hail to BlackRock. Someone, I want to kick it to you. One of the things that we did on our channel a couple of weeks ago is we discussed, is BlackRock coming into crypto a good thing? And we said that we can't control the fact that these centralized companies are going to move into crypto. So we may as well celebrate the income coming in. What does this article mean to you that BlackRock is now promoting Bitcoin and creating vehicles for institutions? Yeah, so first of all, um, if you want your backs to, you know, pump in terms of dollars yes hell yeah like they, they should all join but when it comes to decentralization we want to give power back to the people then it's actually completely against what we are what we are fighting for but hey you and me all of us here we're here to build generational wealth and we know that these guys have the resources we need to copy what they're doing so this is why this is all good this is bullish news for us but then you have to also understand that in the stock market or in markets in general, in the crypto market, it's all about distribution, right? So these guys told you that Bitcoin is going to go to 100K at the end of this year. Now you have analysts telling you after that pullback that Bitcoin is going to go down. What does that mean? Someone has to, you know, like someone bought in, these guys bought in and they realized profits up there at 24K for Bitcoin. And now, you know, it's going down and people are like, okay, now it's going to go even lower. We have, we're going to see a cold bear market. Probably they open a big short position themselves and they want this to go down. Um, and they want you as, you know, as a, sorry for exit liquidity provider, right? They want you to actually um, dump your crypto so that they can make money from these short positions. So right now, if you see, if you see, we actually have more long positions open to be honest honest with you i can actually bring it up but it's so high right now the market is overconfident retailers are overconfident that the market is 
at a local bottom and it's going to skyrocket from here. That's the reason why they're opening so many long account, long positions on Binance. And we've seen it multiple times. We've seen a couple days ago, whenever that long short ratio is so high, we can expect liquidations in the market with low volume. To be honest, I'm like, I'm not really um, happy with, you know, the market structure right now. We could see a little bit of you know, bounces here and there, but like um, kind of feel like, you know, it's going to, these institutions open short, short positions. They're not buying. They are dumping, actually. I kind of believe they want you as an exit liquidity right now. Awesome, Selman. And somebody just said more like 2030. We're about to talk about how the market cap could do a 200x from now until 2030. We got 183 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Elbow that like button. We're about to dive into this news. As the crypto, car, crypto market cap could burst to over $200 trillion amid the largest wealth accumulation in human history, says macro analyst Raul Paul. Former Goldman Sachs executive Raul Paul says an explosion of the cryptocurrency market cap by 200x in the next decade is within the realm of possibility. We have a longer quote here, so let me read this whole thing through. What I do know is if I just extrapolate the network adoption effects and the number of users and where the number of users is going to go and assume that somewhere between 4 and billion users in the next 10 years, which would be central bank digital currencies enabling it and all tickling a whole bunch of stuff going that way, the market cap of the space would go from $1 trillion to $200 trillion by 2030. People don't realize that the world has never seen an accumulation of wealth quite like this in history, and this would be the shortest period of time for the largest accumulation of wealth to ever take place. And we can dive into why the reasons are that this is going to take place. But Johnny Crypto, I want to know straight up, do you ever see the crypto market reaching $200 trillion? You know, I think the U.S. stock market is only $55 trillion or $45 trillion, somewhere in that range. So... Um, I don't know. But if I could incorporate the fact that if they tokenize traditional assets and allow them to move into the digital atmosphere, this 200 trillion total market cap could be pennies. And it I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's true. I mean, I guess, you know, can it be, I guess I'm thinking, you know, my lifetime, I'm not sure I'll see it in my lifetime, but do I think it can be there some way? Maybe. I just think right now we're sitting at a, at a trillion and to say 200 trillion, it's just a big number. Not to say that, you know, as we tokenize everything, you know, things can happen, but I don't, you know, the, the whole, I mean, that's a big number. That's a really big number. If you were to ask me, you know, 20 million, 20 trillion, 30 trillion, I'd say that's, you know me, I'm all, cause I'm more realistic kind of guy. I think realistically 20 trillion is probably something that <laughs> just say that. I mean, listen, the reason why I didn't say no is because could 200 trillion somewhere a hundred years from now? Yeah, possibly. But in the short term, in the next 10, 20 years, I would say 20 trillion is probably more realistic in my opinion. You know, and these guys don't forget, these guys pump up the numbers, right? So a guy like Rob Paul, you know, go go check his background. He worked for the big boys, and you know, they are out there pushing the numbers up. It makes everybody feel great and and, and grow those numbers. But the reality is, do I think no, I think realistically we're probably looking more like 20 trillion. Salman, and I want to kick it to you because he he said the number 20 trillion. He said, even if I'm wrong, let's just say I'm total moron and I'm wrong by 90%. Well, 20 trillion dollars from 1 trillion, I'll still take my bet because yes. that's the best bet in the world, even if he's 90% wrong. Selman, floor is yours. There you go. So um 200 trillion is a huge number. It's a big prediction. However, the metaverse alone is predicted to be to become a industry. Uh, with like around 13 
trillion dollars in market cap, right? It's it's going to be huge. And you see even Dubai has started to work on the metaverse. They want to create 40,000 virtual jobs, which is huge. And this is just the beginning. Saudi Arabia is doing that and pretty much everyone except the United States. That's weird. But it's it's going to come. It's going to come for sure. And you brought it actually apps uh, that, you know, on point traditional markets, traditional assets, the real estate worldwide. Imagine, um, was it, I just forgot, like, was it Colombia? Uh, one big country started to, you know, adapt the XRP ledger. We brought it up. I, for a yep. moment, I have, was it Colombia? Awesome. And you see all these countries eventually will use this technology so that everything is decentralized. No authority can just manipulate and say, nope, that from now on, that land over there is mine. And like, you can go away. That, that's not going to be uh, happening again. So no, dictators, they can't, they need to find another way maybe, but it's going to be super tough for them. So there is a big deal. And another important thing is every 50 years, we've seen a huge shift in the whole world, right? Last time was the Nixon administration, um, you know, the dollar index, uh, not dollar index, the dollar um, got rid of the gold unfortunately, and things have changed, right, in the last 50 years. And now we're coming to that again. We're going to see an, a crazy shift happening again. We've seen crazy inflation in the 70s, right? And now we've seen it again after 50 years. And and it's just, you know, there is a huge shift happening. You know, by 2030, there is an agenda that's being pushed. So I believe there is going to be a huge de de um, decentralization and digitalization efforts until 2030, carbon neutral and very efficient way of de uh, digitalization. And I believe we can expect a, a huge market cap in the next 10 to 20 years. I mean, I, I even believe 20 trillion is, is a under, you know. Hey, Selman, what comes to mind is if we're going to get to $589, I think 200 trillion is nothing when it really comes down to it. But I want to show our listeners a very cool tweet from Barry Silbert, who is the CEO of Digital Currency Group based out of New York. This is a tweet from 2016. He said, Bitcoin is the digital gold. Ripple is the new SWIFT system. Ethereum Classic is the gas for the internet of things. And Zcash will be used for private transactions. Obviously, I don't agree with this whole tweet. But the fact that he said Ripple is SWIFT 2.0, it's got to mean something, Johnny Crypto. What's this say to you? Yeah, I think that's what everybody did. did you know, That was the, the narrative back in 2016. But you guys all know narratives. They changed, <laughs> they changed with the wind. And so the question is, is the narrative going to come to fruition? And that's what we're, we're going to see, right? That's what we're going to validate or we're going to see happen in the next few years and whether these guys were right or wrong. Um, we continue to hear all the time, Bitcoin's digital gold. We keep hearing Swift is the new banking rails. This whole thing of gas for the internet is a silly concept, and, and that'll be going away soon once we get uh, past the merge and a couple other uh, technology improvements. You know, gas prices will eventually go away. Uh, I did hear a lot of things about Zcash. So, no, I mean, I think at the end of the day, there's always going to be a narrative. And uh, where where it plays out is what we want to see. And we hope that we're making the right bets into uh, some of these things because we believe some of these things are going to be the, the the rails that drive the, the, the future, right? And so we want to be part of that. It's exciting to be part of that as we have this once-in-a-lifetime greatest opportunity in our lifetimes to be able to invest in something like that. You don't always get... Uh, an opportunity to invest in the the changing of the future into new 
rails, a new paradigm shift. So it's exciting about this one. I really don't care about what this guy says or what anybody says. For me, all I care about is making sure we're investing in those rails and making sure you've got enough horses in the race because we don't know which ones are going to win. And that's why you want to make sure you got a nice diversification, a nice diversified bag. When we talk about the cryptocurrency market changing forever, a lot of it's going to come from regulators. And our next story is exactly that. EU crypto lobby is fighting against limits on the U.S. dollar stablecoins. The European Union could ban dollar backpegged stablecoins under its new Mika legislation. So dollar peg stablecoins might be blocked by the European Union's 27 countries. If the bloc's new markets and crypto assets legislation enters into force in its current form, the European Union's uh, landmark crypto law has already been approved, but technicalities still have to be ironed out. Blockchain for Europe and the Digital Europe Association this weekend sent a letter to the EU Council in a bid to reverse the controversial rules, which would effectively squash any large stablecoins tied to anything but the euro. This could potentially ban Tether, USDC, and Binance's stablecoin. The three largest stablecoins by trade volume are at risk from being banned in Europe by 2024 due to quantitative limits. Now we're seeing if these are actually going to come to fruition. I do think lobbying is yet to begin, so we're going to see some changes here. But the fact that the European Union is trying to stop people from using the U.S. dollar and U.S.-backed currencies, it's really nothing new. We've got BRICS nations. Now we've got this news out of Europe. They are pushing the U.S. dollar away. We've peaked in global dominance. Johnny Crypto, what does this article say to you? Well, it, you know, it says that we're moving away from the dollar. We know that. We've been saying it on this show forever that the yuan or a basket of currencies will be the future world reserve currency. Um, for me, it also looks like we're creating uh, silos. So depending on what country you're in, what what's going to happen is if you're in Europe, then you're going to have a stable coin backed by euros. And if you're in you know, South America, maybe you're going to have a stable coin backed by whatever the dominant currency is there. You're, you're almost seeing the beginning of the building of the baskets and which ones will kind of drive it. So, it's sad news. It's sad. It's sad. Anyone who lives in the U.S., um, it's sad news to see that because if it does go through, you know, you're going to see that actually will have a hurt, a more hurt on, on USTT tether, I think, than, you know, because the demand will drop for it, right? I can only imagine what this would do to the entire crypto market. But when you talk about stable coins, it could yeah. potentially collapse tether. And we always say, what's the black swan yeah. event? This is the black swan that event. If they banned U.S. dollar backed stable coins, that's going to collapse the entire crypto market. Selman, I want to kick it to you. We've got plenty of news left to dive into. We're going to dive into some Cardano news, and we're going to touch some quant stuff. But I want to hear your opinion on these stable coins. We don't trust Tether, but we do trust USDC. And the fact that they'd be banning that currency, it's very interesting. What does this article mean to you, my friend? Yeah, so I've actually read a summary of the MICA legislation. And what it actually proposes is that stable coins definitely need to uh, have a one-to-one -one, like peg to the dollar in order to be accepted in the European Union. And there's going to be like, um, to be honest, I'm super fine with most of that legislation in terms of stable coins. The reason is they want a local presence, official presence in the European Union as well. And they want to be supervised by the European uh, Banking Committee or I forgot the name of it, of that institution. But there's going to be strict control. They, they're not actually excluding anyone. It's not like they don't want USD at all. What they want is we've seen so much volatility in the markets because of the Terra Luna UST collapse. 
that they just want a, um, just a one-to-one, -one very strong and um, very defined, you know, um, stable coin structure. And um, once that is, you know, offered and is um, approved by the European Union, then hell yeah, you, they can use it. It's, uh, it, you know, everybody can buy into Tether, et cetera, as long as they meet the goals of that legislation. And so I, I don't see a huge threat here. As a retail investor, as an investor in general, I feel like this is great news because I don't want Tether to, to collapse. I don't want USDC to collapse. So, or EuroC in this case, right? So, what I they should definitely bring that kind of regulation so that at least we can trust stable coins. And what they want is all these issuers, like all these exchanges, they need to provide the dollar for you if you want to convert your usd uh, usdt or usdc immediately there should always be money available but guess what banks don't have that much money right okay this is a good question then because banks if any everyone wanted to convert their or let's say withdraw all their money bank we would see a big bank run in the whole you know european yeah. union so the question is how can you actually peg the dollar to a stable coin 100% so that, you know, anyone can immediately dump it and get their uh, euros or dollars. That's, that's probably, you know, it's a big question, yes. but you know, we're going to a good direction guys. I love it. And there's two more quotes I want to read for our listeners. It says it is unrealistic to expect investors to replace USD referencing stable coins in crypto trading. Never mind doing so in a manner before January of 2024, the European bank talked about the euros internal role. The currency share is is only 0.2% of cryptocurrency's total market cap, and euro-based stablecoins are less liquid as a result. They tend to be sold similar to other risky assets rather than behaving like a vehicle in digital transactions and trading. Because there's such a low amount of liquidity, trading, it doesn't happen very smooth. Johnny Crypto, we've got a bunch of great articles lined up. I'd love for you to take us home here. Do you trust any of these stablecoins, and, and do you think the European Union will actually ban these US dollar-backed coins? You know... That's a very good question. I, I yeah, I, I wouldn't well, let's put it this way, Abs. I would not be surprised if they did. There's something in the works here, right? Otherwise, why even bring it up? Now, are they bringing it up to create some FUD? I don't know. They've been trying to FUD us with USTT for the longest time with all this kind of things, how it's going to crash. And, and now, actually, USDT is trying to get its shit together and, and, and show, you know, become more of a. Um, uh, getting rid of a lot of the commercial paper stuff, the questionable stuff, right? So they're trying to get their shit together. Um, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I have no idea if they're going to. It's a great question whether they're going to do it or not. Uh, for me, what I look at it is if they do, I think it'll have a big impact on the market. I think it'll be a great way if they want to. So they're going to want to shake people out to be able to get a real bottom, you know, maybe a final bottom before the next leg up. It wouldn't surprise, be a surprise to me if they do that right at that moment and use that news to drive that, right? Scare the markets. The reality is, at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to have... Oh, sorry, guys. thought I had that muted. I don't think it's going to have a lasting effect. I think it can have a short-term effect. And then people realize, like, okay, well, there's, you know, there's... It just, just, just means that it's going to be in different trading pairs. So awesome. I think that's what we're going to see happen. Awesome. And we're about to dive into our quant news. But first, show us some love. Bash that like button. Look at this quant chart. We are showing you a chart of quant from 2019 all the way into where we are today. 
And one of the things that's clear is that after we get some of these long-term six-month regressions, this price chart goes parabolic. And we just did six months of bearish price action, actually retracing about 80%. Selman, I'd love to go to you. You're a technical analysis guy. You're a chart guy. What does this chart indicate to you? The fact that every single time we have these long-term consolidations, we have a much longer bull run when it comes to the quant price chart. Yep. I mean, it looks nice, of course. And you have that beautiful mother trend there. We're still sitting above that mother trend, which is great. But please keep in mind that quant uh, you know, has a great technology, no doubt. But you need to understand that Bitcoin is actually controlling, influencing the market. And if Bitcoin is not able to really see you know, bullish price action, then, you know, you can't really um, see this for Quan coming. But um, I still believe Quan, you know, because of the market cap and because of the low supply, I really believe Quan is going to have a nice run. But if you see that mother trend getting closed, actually uh, broken uh, to the downside apps, then what I would prefer is like paying so much attention to Quan because, you know, we could see more bearish action. But this would be a great Great time to design a game plan. I'm not going to say buy into it. It's all up to you. No financial advice, but design a game plan and do a lot of research. And for you need to understand every single thing about Quan. And then once it res, once you feel like it resonates with you, then you can definitely go in. And I'm waiting for that massive pullback in the markets this winter. If it comes, I am going deep in. And so yep. should you. Yes, thank you, Selman. And we're actually showing a chart right now. All of the connections between Quant and existing companies today. This list goes on and on. I don't think we have too much time, so we might dive into this more tomorrow. But Johnny Crypto, we know that Quant is going to be connecting the old banking system to the new, but it's also going to be connecting new blockchains and new networks so they're able to communicate with one another. When we talk about Quant reaching a $5,000 total market cap, I mean, I mean $5,000 per token, it may sound unrealistic, but it's one of these tokens that I think is a sleeper. It's only $1.3 billion in total market cap, $14.6 million circulating in supply. Very, very low numbers. What do you think about Quant, Johnny? No, I think in that case, to be honest with you, I don't think 5000 is an unrealistic number for Quant. Like you said, it has a very, very, very low coin supply. Um, so when you have coin supplies and you create value, Okay, low coin supply plus high value equals a high price, and that's that's why partly I'm excited about Quant because it's low uh, market supply, coin supply, max supply. But I also love the fact that it's solving a tremendous problem. There's nothing more important than interoperability. I told you guys that many many times um, that that needs to be. Um, we need to have that. That's what unlocked. Again, TCPIP, I keep going back to that one because that's the one that really opened up and made the web useful, functional, um, enabling its, its capabilities. And, and we know Quant is trying to do the same thing. If it's successful in doing so, then it's going to have an extremely high value with a low market cap. And I think, you know, even I've heard as high as 10000 for the coin now. I'm not banking on it, but it won't surprise me if it happens. I love Quant and I got my bags back. I'll continue to buy Quant. And that's one of those coins. Like everywhere I see people, oh, I want to buy a 50. I don't give a shit. I bought some at 150. I bought some at 40. I bought some at 20. I'm buying it wherever it is because the long-term solution, when we're sitting at 1,000 or 5,000 or 8,000, is it going to matter whether you bought it at 20, 40, or 150? Ain't going to matter. Exactly, Johnny. And we're showing a list of partnerships on the screen right now, but I want to hop into our Cardano article as Cardano outperforms PayPal and Netflix with lower energy consumption levels. And these energy levels are surprisingly low. 
So Cardano might be more efficient energy than PayPal, YouTube, and Netflix based on its energy consumption. A thread of tweets highlights that Cardano is also less energy intensive than gold mining or Bitcoin's proof of work given its esterly years of consumption. So Cardano runs about 3,100 pools, which takes an estimated 3.1 gigawatts of energy. On the other hand, it's estimated that yearly Bitcoin consumes about 214,000 gigawatts of energy, which makes Cardano about 69,000 times more efficient than Bitcoin. Johnny Crypto, they call you the godfather of the ADA community. I don't know how you got that nickname. Maybe you can inform our listeners. But when I check this out, this is just another move in your direction. Cardano, although they're having some trouble with the testnet, the testnet is to figure out the problems, right? So the fact that there's problems on the testnet, it really is nothing to worry about. This is some good news for our Cardano. How do you feel about that project, Johnny? Yeah, I mean, exactly. Testnet, I mean, you, that's the whole point. You're finding problems. So I don't give a shit about that. <clears throat> they're just working through. They're taking their time methodically. They're not Solana where they're failing and flopping all over the place. Now, what I will say about this is obviously you guys know how much I love Cardano, but I don't like these comparisons. Whenever you're comparing against Bitcoin, it's just a, it's a rat snake weasel move because we all know anything, anything's going to be more efficient than, than Bitcoin. So that's just a complete, you know, horse, horse shit, you know, kind of snake weasel way to kind of say, oh, hey, we're so great. I would love to see comparisons against other highly efficient um, cryptocurrencies, you know, green ones like an HBAR or an XRP. Compare it against something like that. That's 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 you know not gonna that draws a shit ton of power from mining, and then you get the real picture. So I I give I gotta be honest with you, I completely just throw this article out. It means nothing to me. It's garbage in my opinion, or at least I, I would disclose or I would I would not even care so much about the power consumptions. It doesn't. It's just a fake number. It doesn't mean anything in my opinion. Interesting. And there's another quote here that I think you might like, Johnny. It says, Bitcoin only contributed to 0.08% of global carbon dioxide emissions in 2021, suggesting that talking points about the network's energy uses may a little bit, maybe a little bit overstated. I think they're greatly overstated. We've got, we've got cattle, we've got cars, we've got tons of agendas the World Economic Forum is going to be focused on. And I think Bitcoin mining is going to be a big distraction when it comes to this next bull run. Salman, I'd love to hear some comments from you. You moved your project onto the XRPL blockchain. You can talk a little bit about that, but how do you feel about Cardano? I mean, Cardano, here's the deal. Like, um, I personally don't own Cardano, not yet, but here's the deal. Any project out there, be it NFT or a blockchain, right? doesn't matter. It, the project is only as good as its community, right? If the community is there to support it, then it's going to live. And Cardano has seen many improvements. They're still working. They have a great leader plus a great community. And I know Apps is also a huge, you know, fan of Cardano. And, you know, the Cardano, Cardano community is huge and it's growing and growing and growing, right, since 2018. And so this is why I believe Cardano is definitely here to state that Cardano has a lot of potential. And so these kind of comparisons that, you know, um, totally agree with uh, Johnny, you know, it's everything's better, even Dogecoin. But um, to understand that, you know, um, even if the energy consumption of Bitcoin is so low, still, like, would you spend or waste so much energy for for that blockchain if there are way more blockchains also decentralized, even better than Bitcoin, actually, when it comes to, you know, scalability and um, decentralization, right? Because, you know, running on proof of work is a risk. Uh, people don't really pay attention to that, but that is a risk. So, like... 
have that and you need to spend, waste or spend um, just a tiny percentage of Bitcoin's energy, basically, right? So um, thank yeah. you. Uh, Salman, I want to go back to you for real. I know we only have 30 seconds here, but just a quick comment. Nike makes 185 million in NFT sales. Adidas made 11 million and Gucci made seven. How do you feel about these global brands using NFTs as a new form of revenue? And is this only the beginning for NFTs with these global brands? This is the beginning, bro. Um, Lamborghini is also launching its NFT collection. And I can tell you this, this is, this should be your wake up call guys. If you're a business owner, small business, or a big business, doesn't matter. All of you guys should find ways to disrupt your industry, your sector, by finding ways to enter into the Web3 space. So this awesome. is basically what we're trying to do with Collecti. But like, wake up, guys. $185 million and through royalties, they're, this is passive income for them. It's always going to happen. Beautiful. And I want to start close this thing out by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Johnny Crypto. Thank you to Selman G. Tomorrow, we have James Rule XRP joining the show. And if you guys are looking for an exit strategy solution, the best solution is the Merlin app. Check out our Kickstarter campaign down below to get access to that really, really unique application. We're going to see you guys in about 23 hours. And it's like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining me. Let's go.